Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good Welcome morning. to this pre-record. Dr. Mary's in his office. I'm in the basement using my computer camera, having problems. Just this morning, I was in the shower thinking, isn't it so great that we never have any tech problems anymore? And here we are having a dumb tech problem. So I guess you get what you wish for, uh, which actually is kind of a good introduction to who's coming on to join us today. Dr. Sandra McCutcheon. Dr. Mary, do you want to just give the 10 second how you know Sandra? Um, I know Sandra because we did our PhD together in, in the John Innes Centre in Norwich. Um, seems like a thousand years ago sometimes, but that's, um, she's a good lass, Sandra. So this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Yeah, if you're thinking to yourself, isn't he a plant guy? Doesn't that make her a plant person? That would be true from that time of her life, but she's not, she doesn't actively work in no, plants anymore. She talks about mindfulness. Greater things, so it's going to yes. be a great conversation. So, so I, I guess we might talk about plants, but that's not the crux of the conversation. The conversation is really about um, coming into the new year with some intention and some kindness. That's one of my favorite things about getting to know Sandra is that I feel like she exudes kindness. So I think you will see that too. So let's bring her in. Hello, Sandra. Hey, how are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon to you, actually. It is. It's, it's quarter past two, my time, but it's morning time, your time. Yes. Well, um, some people might know that you and I had a conversation early on in COVID, and I will put that in the links. Um, you came on when I was doing my own podcast a little bit. And so that was a lovely conversation and really my opportunity to get to know you. But as Maz said, you two go back much longer than he and I do. So you have a great history together. And I was looking on your website this morning. Um, can you just tell us a little bit, because I, I didn't know this. How did you get into the mindfulness world after having been in this great, big, very sciencey world. I was very fascinated to read that this morning. Of course. And um, in case we have an opportunity, just following from your really kind introduction and welcome, we talked briefly about plants, didn't we? And how <laughs> Maz was a plant scientist and how, you know, I'm not a plant girl anymore. But actually, if there's an opportunity the universe just knows. I, I read a poem to my client group last night, and I'm a keen gardener, so I don't research plants, but the poem is called Garden of Your Mind, which actually fits with your wonderful intention and kindness. So if we have that opportunity for those different moments in our world to collide and come here, that would be a great poem to read to our, our group today as well. We'll make um, the time for that. <laughs> Coming back, how did I get into mindfulness from being a plant 
scientist um, at one point. So mindfulness arrived my way, um, not really through a conscious choice that I made for myself, but rather an ongoing set of circumstances that, that I was living in and experiencing. And, you know, they say that good and bad come together. In months, um, I had moved from my PC and I got my first postdoc job. And, you know, I was really fortunate and I worked hard. It's a combination of good fortune, good timing and hard work. I, I ended up being in charge of my own research group, which was wonderful, actually. Heck of a scary but wonderful at the same time. And it was a big, big project. And, um, you know, I was trying to pave my own way. I was trying to succeed. Um, I always refer to myself as a wee woman. I'm quite short. In a, a sad world, it can feel quite a big place. So you have to kind of get, get started and stand tall figuratively and, and for me, literally. So I was really trying to cut it and make this, multi-million pound project a, a success and um, all of that management and working with teams was new to me being in charge of a massive budget was like um, wonderful but you know it's a massive learning curve and the hours were long because it was a new project long story short i i kind of fell into what we would term the exhaustion funnel that's when we work, work, work all the time and then start reducing those things that really bring us joy in our life, our hobbies, our friends, our sports, our TV, all this stuff, to try and make things work at work. So that led to um, late hours. I drank, I took up drinking slightly more than I normally would do to help relax and switch off. Maybe something that is familiar in our conversations and your world too. Mm -hmm. I couldn't switch my brain. It was a float. It was a machine that just thought and thought and planned and edited and predicted, which was fine in a functional sense. It got the job done. I was really good at managing that project, but it came with emotional consequences, and I was beginning to be very stressed and burnt out and actually fast a number of years of living in that sort of high octane environment mentally that early out I was performing one day well I was the good guys in the, the science world and succeeding but my inner world was very fragile it was really tough there was all sorts of that I had no control over. They felt very destructive. And actually, the quality of my mind frightened me. And um, not for this conversation, but, you know, it, it went on like this about years. Then I became pregnant with my child. And I was picked up um, at one of those screens. And they said, we just don't know if you're all right. And I'm all right. And I'm so frightened to tell people what's happening, actually going on in my mind, because I'm so worried that they'll, in some irrational thought, they lock me up 
put me away. I'm not sane. I'm not safe. I certainly can't be in charge of the baby. And um, and they said, oh, but we can help you. And we went to help you. And it's your fault. You've done nothing wrong. And you're a bit stuck. And that's what it was like. My mind was in this loop of these toxic, highly emotionally charged thoughts. And that ultimately got me referred onto a mindfulness course led by a wonderful psychologist and excellent facilitator. And I told them my story. I told them the truth of these horrendously frightening thoughts. And they said, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're really modern as you think you are. And we can help. We can help you to change your, number one, relationship with thoughts. And number two, we can help you reduce that reaction, that fear that you have of your mind. And actually, as a byproduct of this training, we believe that these thoughts will stop. So I went to this mindfulness course. Um, there was 30 of us wonderful humans there, all with our stuff, all carrying the baggage of life, some heavier than others. And that's when I really understood that being human is really tricky. And all the people that you think whose life is perfect, maybe people thought my life was perfect and I had it all taste. But actually, most of us have our own stuff that is tricky. And after week one, the psychologist said, here's your practice, Dan. This is what I want you to do. And he described a practice of noticing thoughts and critically choosing. Do I chat to them? Do I keep getting involved with them? Or do I take a breath, even with the highly charged emotions that all those thoughts brought me, and just say, I am choosing not to think anymore about what you're saying. So that's tricky, right? That's super easy. Thoughts and thinking. But after yeah. a week, you'll never guess what happened. You will never believe it. And I'm not saying it was easy. There were tears in the practice. It was tricky. After one of having six odd years of destructive thoughts, Verging on the sort of compulsive, obsessive OCD thinking stuff, it stopped. The things that changed my life stopped. <laughs> and that was my eureka moment. I'm like, hang on a minute. Because I've been chatting all the time to these thoughts, forcing them to go away, suppressing them. And actually that stuff just keeps it going. But it's kind of like, I'll show you a little trick about this. It's like this little bell. This is a thought, the noise, and me whacking it is thinking. If I keep thinking, the noise is still there. If I choose which thoughts I think about, the noise starts to stop. So the practice of mindfulness, which was liberating for me, was one of seeing thoughts, but not thinking 
about them, not keeping them going. And that is how I made this fantastic other choice to start just that. Who else could benefit from this knowledge? Who else could benefit from the week two of the course, the week three of the course, the four, five, and six, just as I did? And I made that choice to find the pathway to leave something very beloved, to take up something very remarkable. Wow. That's, that's you know, incredible. In, in a world where there is global communication, that is, this is a fantastic example of why none of us actually hang out and still talk to our friends who can be useful. Because, you know, I always said when I stopped drinking, my head was, there was less shouting. That's it. That, that explains exactly what happened to me. Yeah. All these thoughts that when my just stopped and I had a clear head to think and then I started listening and looking around. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw this brilliant quote, Maz. Just I have I've just gone juice something, noticing the energy of our conversation in a such an inspiring way. Goosebumps are fascinating, but that's a whole other conversation. Maz, you said something about listening, and I saw this quote the other day. And it says, listening provides more answers than talking. And it came to me that mindfulness and growing in self-awareness, that's really what it is, is a practice of deep listening to what's happening on the inside. Because I spent those years with the thoughts and then chat, chat, chatting at them in Instead, this mindfulness exercise was one of in listen without chatting. What are these thoughts trying to tell you, my love? You know, what is their message? What actually is their wisdom and teaching? And now I can look back with a big heart and a, a place of clarity, maybe akin to your experience, and say, aha. They were teaching me that I was frightened. I was burning out. That actually I was losing a fuse. And that's what the coming undoneness was. It was happening in the body for a long time, but I ignored that because I was busy. But actually when the mind got involved, it was trying to find a way to protect me, but in ways that are very rudimentary rudimentary using our old and irrational brain so it's a practice yeah. of learning i love how you start and put that in yeah hmm it it has me thinking too not that we need to all come up with our examples but i always say that during my pregnancy i was just screaming in my head because i had no idea what to do and i i the same thing happened for me when i when the moment came everything got utterly quiet and everything that didn't matter went away and everything that mattered remained and it was um i've never ever thought about it the way you two just explained it but if if we can quiet our brains if we cannot respond to the negative or the damaging thoughts then like all things, they'll go away. I mean, if, if your negative thoughts are the bully of your brain, if you ignore a bully, a bully is more likely to just get bored and quit. 
Yeah. We had this phrase, we had this phrase in mindfulness called energy follows focus. So whatever you focus on, you get energy to, no matter what that is. And I, I think we also try not to label to judge things as good or bad thoughts. It's just thoughts. It's our reaction to them that are is the tricky bit that needs maybe navigating because even obstacles like what happened to me, you know, the likelihood is if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't be placed where I am right now. So there was a purpose. There probably was some motivation that I didn't know about, probably didn't need to know about. But in some ways, I'm able to ah, look back now and say, I'm kind of not glad, but I appreciate what I went through because then maybe I can be useful for other people in a deeply connected way. Mm -hmm. If I say that with a bit of a smile on the inside and a knowledge of I remember plenty of the days where actually I hated how things were and I really struggled. So that's the the sort of space of perspective and growing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So Sandra, we don't have a ton of time with you today, which is okay. Um can you give us some t tips for how to enter into this mindfulness mindset um, for people who are resonating with what you're talking about, who are thinking, gosh, maybe this could be useful for, for me, but are a little bit anxious about jumping right into a workshop or um, a course what, what are things that we could do if we're sitting at our desk and we start to feel our heart rate raise and our mindset, you know, move towards frantic? Yeah, yeah. And all the spaces in between that sort of quiet into, into business. So I think there's lots of things that encompass mindfulness in, in everyday life. Because just understanding what that means, mindfulness can be summed up in three wonderful short words, um, intention, attention, and attitude. So often when we get a bit fizzy or busy in our mind and in our body, you know, the thinking is speeded up or the deadline is coming to us. One of the cool things that we can do is use our amazing body's physiology and our breath our breath is a superpower and we can learn sort of controlled gentle breathing techniques and it's it takes practice it takes practice to do that too to focus the mind the thinking you know furious attention to feel one or two breaths in your body and to simply slow them down so breathing in for a count of four or five and breathing out for a count of four or five, practiced over even a minute regularly in the good times first so that we've woven our parachute before we jump out of the plane, right? So it's that idea of practicing the, 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 the more favorable conditions, this sort of breathing and counting because it does two things. One, 
it gives that busy mind a real focal point of attention. We're just feeling breathing happening. And then the cool bit about slowing down and making your in-breath and your out-breath the same length, or even if you wish, be playful, make your out-breath a wee bit longer, is that it switches on part of our nervous system, ever the scientists, that calms and reduces our stress response. And when you learn to belly breathe, slowing down the breath in that way, it's a reflex action. So it switches on your parasympathetic nervous system, which is our soothing and cool down system. And it switches off our sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, and freeze response. So that's a whole thing to practice earn and do it more often than not. Give your brain a little break. It's like plugging yourself into recharge under okay conditions. And then it can be a bit of a soother under more frantic conditions. So that's a, a biology-based mindfulness. Or get outdoors. Get yourself in your garden. Pay attention to what's around you using your senses. That takes us out of thinking, doing, planning, our typical default mode when we're stressed and gets us into being present, sending, noticing the temperature, noticing sounds, noticing colors, feeling your feet. Because when you listen and experience with the whole of your body, you're not in that busy thinking mode. And outdoors, there's so much to um, nurture our attention in an easier and gentle way. So those are two things that I do daily. Those are my daily doses, guys. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Well, one thing that I think, um, just listening to you, Sandra, and I had forgotten that this was the response I had to you last time as well. Your accent from my standpoint and the the cadence of your voice is so calming that I find myself immediately slowing down, breathing differently, sort of settling in as opposed to being heightened. I mean, you maybe can't tell this from your end, but we're kind of having some tech challenges. Um, you're a little bit delayed from time to time, but even though normally I would be sweating buckets through this. I'm actually finding myself thinking people will just have to slow down and listen, and that's okay. So there, your, your point about how almost from the beginning when you began to do this work on yourself, it made a difference is so true. You don't have to practice it for six months before you you notice that something is quieter or gentler or different. It almost happens instantaneously if you just focus on your breathing, which is, I mean, there are so few things in our physical lives that have that response. It's a real gift to be given it and to be reminded to pay attention to our breath. Yeah. Dr. Mary? Yeah. 
we're not really taught to do that are we that's the thing no yeah dr mary i'm curious to know um while you were in rehab if you did anything with mindfulness if that was part of your experience there um we did they did try and teach us to meditate um, um which is hard <laughs> you know yeah yeah and i don't actually think i really did i sat quietly and thought i don't really think i actually really meditated and it wasn't because i was sitting there going this is crap i really tried it because my mind was open and like i said less quiet so i was up for i was you know it was clear to me that i finally worked out that there was something wrong with me and i wanted all the help i could so i was tr well you know how the yoga went <laughs> you know they how they give us yoga too. oh my god when you start teaching yoga cold um well i walked into the meeting room on a on a when the, when there was meeting times and dana thought i got i was in a fight because i was hobbly i hobbled into this meeting room because my entire body was aching yes yes yeah, so the they did seem we did we were we were taught breathing exercises but nothing nothing as joyful as the way sandra explained them. but you yeah. know it was just you know just it, and it was almost they never used the phrase calm down and they always said everyone take a breath no one ever said calm down which as we all know joking all the time you know no one in the world has ever calmed down when you're told to calm down anyway ever <laughs> it, it just doesn't work but it was always take a breath and and an example is you know when our the light in our pantry broke yes and i'm so I went to fix it and then the wire fired back into the roof. Now, if I was still drinking, I'd have dug a hole in the ceiling and, and got thoroughly mad. I just looked at it and thought, I took a breath. I put the kettle on, I made a cup of coffee and I regrouped and thought, right, how do I fix this? And I just did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. carrying that on for nearly five years, that's, there is a tremendous well, you hopefully you've noticed it, Dean. You know, there's a, a tremendous um, calm and improvement in 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 me in general, just most of the time. Sometimes I do um, I do do the SOJ. Sandra might like this. Apparently, I I do carry on like my mother sometimes. <laughs> have you met Have you met Naz's mother, Sandra? Oh, oh yeah. You know she's um. <laughs> She is a unique personality. Yeah. Yeah. So you you She's understand. Strong. Yes. Yes, she is. That is, that is one way that's, a, that's a good word. <laughs> Frightening would be another word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sandra, let's read your poem. I would love to hear it, and I want to make sure we have time for it. I love poetry and poetry about gardening sounds particularly glorious. Yeah, this is a nice one. Okay, I'm going to start now. So nothing to do except to hear. Okay, garden of your mind. What are you growing in the garden of your mind? What do you water, nourish and feed? Do you plant seeds of forgiveness, of love? Or do you fertilize weeds of anger, 
resentment or fear? What are you growing in the garden of your heart? Do you allow sunshine to reach dark pain in the corners of your heart? Do you allow tears to wash it clean and nourish it? Or do you put up fences to keep out the feelings? Get on your knees, grow your food. Decide what it is you want in your soil. Know what you are cultivating, what you are growing, for a lot can grow in the garden of your body. If you let it seed, nourish it, allow it, and watch it grow. That's it. Mm. Oh, that is lovely. There's some wise words in there, too. I, so you I said about... Oh, sorry, Dana, this no, is no, delay. You, you go. You go, Sandra. I, I was just going to say, you said right at the beginning, it's about intention and kindness. I think this poem asks that. It's like, what do you want to grow? And we can look at our lives at the start of the year and think, well, what are my intentions? Who do I want to be? How do I want to work? How do I want to look after these little gardens, the mind, the heart, and the body? And we said intention is what mindfulness is, intention to be present. It was also about attitude. And you said about kindness. And that is the the strongest ally, that's the weather, the nurturing, the water, the conditions that will feed. I think all of the seeds of we wish to grow. Because as we all know, and have shared so safely and openly, being human is tough. Mm -hmm. But it made easier when we're on our own side and practice kindness ourselves and be our ally fertilize our soil cultivate it gently pull out the weeds and then replace it with the conditions that we might wish for ourselves no matter what those intentions are weight loss is one of mine and strengthening my body to fight obesity and all of that stuff that runs in my family so I'm I'm not going to say I hate it. It's beautifully well, but there's weeds that I'm going to take out and I'm planting seeds of exercise, seeds of healthy food. So I think that that life example, that poem really brings that wonderful introduction about intention and kindness. Well, this yeah. has been... 30 minutes of absolute bliss. It certainly Thank, has. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really sorry that there are a few glitches along the way, but I know that the crux of our conversation will come through. And um, I just have to end by saying, I had one of the nicest 90 minute experiences of my entire life uh, 18 months ago, probably 
Sandra had an online mindfulness group up in Lincolnshire, England, and I got to join it. And it, wow, wow, was that one of my most favorite things I've ever done. I think about those 90 minutes often, those interesting women, your beautiful backgrounds, um, so much about that, but the, the intentionality of just working on it for 90 minutes in a supportive group was a true gift. So if you are someone who is feeling overwhelmed by any facet of your life, find a place to practice some mindfulness. There's a million books. Sandra's got a beautiful website. We'll put that up. Um, you can listen to podcasts. You can find videos. I, there's there's no shortage of ways to practice this. Any, any last thoughts, Sandra, before we send you on your day to pick up your beautiful children? Oh, thank you. I think just, yeah, go gently with any form of self-development. You know, we don't, there's a lot of striving in our life. Striving is what got my brain and my mind in a pickle. And, you know, I think all forms of self-development are worth just going as gently and kindly as we can. You know, intrinsically, we do more right than we do wrong. Intrinsically, you know, there's lots of good in us. But if we keep stomping on ourselves in an unkind way, we're, we just pile on the pressure. So pick and choose what you want to do. Go gently. And if mindfulness doesn't feel right in this moment, just set it aside and you can revisit it a different day. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's so lovely to see you again. I'll say, Sandra, it has you. been a delight. I'll say, for, for someone who nearly drowned in the abyss of carrot suspension cells, you've come out shiny on the <laughs> other end. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because oh. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a lot of All work right. on her part if you got there in the end. Yes. Well, Sam, All right. thank you. It was fantastic to see you again. Have a great afternoon. Oh, thank you, Dana. Thank you, Mad. I think everything that you do is so wonderful. And um, I think you you make such a big difference in people's lives. And, and that only comes through, I think, in a sharing like we've done today. It's just being authentic and open and honest. And that's the best connections that we can make. So I think you're wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank it's mutual. You. So it's a three for three it's day kind of day. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next Tuesday live. Sandra, thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Sam. Bye, Great bye. to see you. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.